big hand tonight, amen. And I know you guys can give the Lord a bigger hand than that. I think you guys love God more than that, right? Amen. Is Jesus in the house tonight? Who saved you? Who set you free? Who died for you? Amen. Give the person next to you a high five. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated tonight. Before we get started, I just want to thank my family uh, that are here supporting me and also that um, have raised me. You guys know the saying that it takes a village to raise a child, right? Um, I really thank God for the village that raised me. You know, it's kind of crazy sometimes, but um, I thank God for that, for my grandmother, for my father, um, for everybody, um, you know, that has just been there uh, through the hard times, even here in the church. Amen. And I most of all want to thank Pastor Josie for this opportunity uh, to speak tonight. And um, tonight we're on the topic of Hooked on Parables. Amen. I remember when Hooked on Phonics came out, I think it was in elementary school, and everybody was joking around saying we're hooked on Ebonics and all this other kind of crazy stuff. But Hooked on Parables worked for me. Amen. That's something that we could like attest to. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at the parable of the lost sheep. Amen. I had a few um, things that, I, that were going through my mind. I was even talking with Edwin, talking to a few people of some of the parables. I'm like, man, there's so many. I don't know. Like, you know, and um, I was thinking of the one with the, uh, the, the, the debtor that didn't want to forgive, forgive the one who had a debt to him. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones. But uh, last night, I was really just like just praying to God in my mind and asking him, what you want me to speak about, and he was reminding me about the lost sheep, you know, and also along with that, if you continue to read, it talks about the lost coin and even the lost son, and it all ties in to the lost coming back and being found, amen, so tonight, that's what we're going to look into, amen, so don't be surprised if this is more of a teaching or, you know, amen, so if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Luke 15, and we're going to start there in verse 1 to verse 7. And when you get there, Luke 15, we're gonna, it's, it's quite a long passage. Amen. You guys there? Praise God. The Word of God says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that, for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over, than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. 
Amen. Father, I ask that you would just set me aside tonight, that you would speak through me the same message that you spoke to my life, that you would just speak it to us here tonight. Set me aside and just use me as a mouthpiece. In Jesus' name, amen. See, in this scripture, we read about Jesus teaching and eating with sinners and tax collectors. See, but it doesn't say that he was just sitting with, with the people from H&R Block or, you know, you guys had your taxes done down there at Liberty or wherever you get your taxes done. You know, they're nice. You know, he wasn't just sitting and eating with them. He wasn't just hanging out with the ordinary people. But in my, in my translation, it says that he was there with notorious sinners. Now, when you hear that word notorious, you don't think of just some ordinary person, right? When I first heard I thought of, you know, Biggie, Biggie, can't you see? <laughs> right? Notorious B-I-G, right? Or you think of notorious gang members, right? Al Capone, right? John Dillinger. You think of, you know, those big names, the guys that were in Alcatraz. Notorious criminals. See, Jesus wasn't just with the little fish, but he was there with the big fish. He was there with, with the sharks. He was there with the people that moved the city under the city. You know what I'm talking about? He knew who to go after. He knew his purpose. It wasn't for the little goldfish. But he was down in the deep. And he didn't care what other people thought. See, all these people came, all these notorious people, these sinners, the tax collectors, the people that were just there in the city, they came to Jesus because they wanted to see and hear what he was teaching. They were curious to know what the buzz was about. But when the Pharisees and the religious leaders seen Jesus with these people, they couldn't believe that he would lower himself and sit with them and talk with them and eat with them. Because see, these Pharisees, they lived, they were so caught up in the law. They were so caught up in their beliefs and so caught up in their rituals and, and being clean and, and doing things the right way and fasting so often and doing this and doing that that they forgot the purpose of their role. They forgot their purpose of a priest. They forgot their purpose to reach the lost. So when they seen Jesus, they're like, how can he proclaim God and be sitting with sinners? He's unclean. He's defiling, he's defying himself by being with them, by associating with them. There's religions out there right now that they tell you, you can't talk to anybody unless they're part of our little group. Unless they come to our meetings, don't talk with them. Don't speak with them. Don't give them a second of your time. But see, Jesus knew the whole reason why he came was to be with those people, that he didn't have much time, that he only had three years. And in those three years, he had to change the world. See, the, the, the Pharisees and religious leaders, they were so bent out of shape because they were so caught up with their attempt to always be clean. But in fact, because they were so caught up that they forgot to reach the people they were actually meant to minister to. See, Jesus knew and understand, understood the importance of his purpose of being here on earth. His purpose was to reach the lost. Because the Pharisees couldn't understand what Jesus was doing, he had to use this parable. He had to use it to help them understand what he was trying to say. So looking at this, at this parable, it seems kind of foolish for a shepherd to leave the 99 
to go look for one lost sheep. To go leave this whole group of sheep. Back then, sheep represented wealth. They represented money. It was like if you had $1,000 and you just left it at the table at Nations to go look for the dollar that you threw in the garbage. It's like, it sounds foolish. But see, there was a risk that the shepherd took to find that one. See, but in reality, the shepherd knew that the one lost sheep was just as important and worth just as much as the 99 back in the wilderness. He also knew that the 99 sheep that were there in the sheepfold would be safe because they were together in numbers. But the one sheep that had left, that got lost, that was out there, that it was in more danger because it was by itself. It had nobody else to help him. It had nobody to show him its way. It had nobody to guide him in the darkness. See, like Ecclesiastes says, that two are better than one. But see, when a sheep is strained, astray, and by itself, there's nobody to guide it. There's nobody for it to follow. So the shepherd knew that. The shepherd knew that when, it, when a sheep would leave, that it was in more danger. It was more vulnerable to attacks of of enemies or maybe thieves or bears or lions or other things out there in the wilderness. But see, the one lost sheep needed somebody to come and get it. See, for the lost and for the backslidden, for those who have once were in our church or those who are out there lost, the world is dark and the world is cold. And they have nobody to follow. And they're vulnerable to the enemy. They're vulnerable to the devil. And God is calling us as shepherds to go out and to reach those that are lost. To reach that sheep that has fallen. That sheep that has gone astray. See, we are to be like Christ in all that we do, right? That's what being a Christian means. It's not about coming to church you know, in a suit. It's not about reading your Bible in a year. A Christian is to be like Christ. You could read your Bible day and day and day and not internalize it. In the youth, a few weeks ago, we watched the book of Eli. And he says that it took him so long to really understand why God gave him the, the Bible. That he spent so much time just protecting it that he didn't live out what he was learning from it. See, being a Christian means that we are Christ-like. And being Christ-like means that we are shepherds, that we go after the lost, that we don't stay in our little huddle. We don't stay in our little clique. We don't stay in the sheepfold. We don't stay as sheep forever. But we begin to mature and to grow up into what God has called us, and that is to be a shepherd. See, reading the scripture, we we see the true character of a shepherd. We see the true character of a good shepherd. We see what a shepherd is. See, a shepherd is one who cares for the sheep. We see that part of a shepherd's responsibility is to go after those who go astray. We also learn the value of the sheep under his care. See, the reason why the shepherd's job is so important is not so much the job of a shepherd, but of what he's protecting. See, the sheep are important. 
like I mentioned earlier, that the sheep back in the back at that time, sheep were valuable. That was like a measure of, of your wealth, of your stature, of your status in society. When you read the Old Testament and you hear about uh, Jacob and Isaac and all them getting rich, it's not saying that people gave them money. They gave them sheep. They gave them li- uh, uh, um, uh, cattle. They gave them livestock. They gave them, you know, land. That's how they became rich. See, back then, people didn't have money, but they had sheep. And just like money, they wanted their wealth to be protected. See, if you had a lot of money, would you just trust anybody with it? If you had, you know, a million dollars or a few thousand dollars, would you just pull somebody off the street and say, hey, I want you to watch this money for me. I'm going to go here and I'm going to come back. Right? Many of you guys have had that on the street, right? Right? Here, I'm going to get the rest for you. I'll be right back. They're never going to be there. And the same thing with your money, right? With your money, do you just trust anybody? Do you give it to your little kids to, here's my checkbook, you know, take it to school with you, just protect it? No, we put it in the bank, right? We make sure that it's secure. We make sure that there's people that are responsible to take care of our finances. In the church office, we don't let the children's church dictate what the bill, you know, but we have people that are going to take care of it. I remember when I first started, you know, getting a job, you know, I was like, oh, man, I don't need to have a bank account. I'll just keep all my money in my drawer right here, my sock drawer. Keep it under a few, you know, socks. That was cool. I had, like, you know, I was doing big things. had, like, $200. I'm like, man, I'm a man. But you know what? It's not safe there. It's unprotected. And even there's no interest, right? So back then, when somebody had a lot of sheep, When somebody had a lot of cattle, they would hire people to watch over their cattle, to watch over their sheep, to be a shepherd. And like I said, they wouldn't just pick anybody. They wouldn't just go off the street and just say, hey, you, you're going to be my shepherd and you're going to watch, you know, my sheep and all my wealth. But they had to find somebody who was responsible. They had to find somebody who was trustworthy. They had to find somebody of good character. See, so when looking for a shepherd... To look over and care for his sheep, God wants to know if we are going, if the if his sheep are going to be safe. See, he wants to know that the shepherd is going to make sure the well-being of, of his master's sheep is in the is, is in his best interest. See, when it comes to being a good shepherd, how many guys know God sets the bar? That God is the example, that we are to follow God because He is the true good shepherd, that He was the first shepherd, He's our shepherd. As sheep. And if you guys can turn to Ezekiel 34, we're going to read what, it, what God is as a good shepherd. Forgive me, my allergies have been acting up. My eyes are starting to water right now. Man. Ezekiel 34, starting in verse 11. And we're going to go through 16. It says this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on the dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the people and nations. 
I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in, in pleasant places and feed in the, in, the lust, in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones and stra- and who strayed away, and I will bring them back home safely again. Here where it gets personal. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. I will destroy those. And now he's talking about the bad shepherds or those who have, you know, bad intentions. He says, I will destroy those who are powerful. I will feed them, yes, but I will feed them justice. See, God is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. He was, see, he was, uh, when God was looking for, for shepherds, he went looking, see, um, God's looking for shepherds in us, amen? But see, in this scripture, we find how God is the shepherd, and he says that he went and found his sheep. But see, God first, he found us. See, God is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. He went looking for us, and when we were lost, he found us and brought us home. He healed our wounds and strengthened our weakness. He had provided us a safe pasture, this church, to worship him, to live, to grow, to mature. And because of God being a good shepherd, how many of you guys know that we once were lost, but now we're found? That no longer are we out there alone in the darkness, no longer are we out there uh, helpless with no defense, but we have God on our side. That when God went and he found us, he didn't, not, he didn't just drag us back, but like the scripture says, he joyfully picks us up and puts us on his shoulders. I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, my dad would put me on his shoulders. It's kind of hard to believe I'm bigger than him. But when I was little, far time ago, he would put me on his shoulders, and I thought that was the best thing. But see, God, he's our shepherd. He's our father. And when we are weak, when we are lost, when we are in desperate need, when we need help, God finds us. And he puts us on his shoulders and says, I got you. I'll protect you. Don't worry. You're my son. You're my daughter. Nothing will hurt you. And see, that's what God is looking for. See, God doesn't only raise us up as sheep, but he raises sheep to become shepherds. See, God is calling us to be the shepherds and under-shepherds of his flock. He is entrusting us with his most prized possession, his sheep. And we know that God's sheep are his, is, his most, is the most important thing to him. Being that we have this responsibility of a shepherd, we can't just be any kind of shepherd. We can't just be a lazy, we can't be a lazy shepherd. We can't be... Uh, a part-time shepherd. We can't be a shepherd when we want to. But being a shepherd is a 24-hour thing, all year long, every season. Whether it's sunny outside, raining, snowing, whatever it is, being a shepherd is a lifelong commitment to God. It's not something that you take a vacation from. It's not something that you take a break from. But God has called us to be a shepherd. He's calling us to lay down our life. 
for others. See, we must be good shepherds and not bad shepherds. We must follow God's lead as he has showed us how to be a good shepherd. Now, I got some, um, some, quality, some uh, characteristics of a bad shepherd and some uh, characteristics of a good shepherd. So bad versus good. A bad shepherd takes care of themselves, but a good shepherd takes care of the flock. A bad shepherd worries only about their own health and their own well-being. But a good shepherd, despite how they may feel, strengthens the weak and sick and searches for the lost. A bad shepherd rules harshly and brutally. And a good shepherd rules lovingly and gentle. About a month ago, Pastor Eddie taught a a teaching about, are you a shepherd or a cowboy? See, God doesn't want no cowboys. He wants shepherds. Cowboys rule with whips and guns. But shepherds have a gentle staff and, 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 and lead with care on the same level as a sheep. See, a bad shepherd will abandon and scatter the sheep if there's signs of danger. But a good shepherd will gather them and protect them, even if it means death. A bad shepherd keeps the best for himself, but a good shepherd gives the best to his sheep. See, to be a good shepherd, I was seeing that it takes three things. And even from these scriptures we read, one, to be a good shepherd, it takes sacrifice. A good shepherd sacrifices his or her time to lead and shepherd the lost. It's so easy to get caught up in our own agenda. It's so easy to get caught up in work. It's so easy to get caught up in our hobbies, to get caught up in, in, in things that we want to do, that we neglect spending time with, with baby Christians, that we neglect spending time with people that really need our help. But we need to sacrifice our time. We need to sacrifice our money. Man, gas is $4. I can't be driving all the way over here to pick you up. Man, you need to hop on the bus or BART. But we need to sacrifice our, our, our money. When they're standing there and church is over and they're looking at you like, what are we going to do? And you're looking at them like, man, now I got to buy this guy lunch? Oh, well. But we got to sacrifice our money. We got to sacrifice our time. You have to sacrifice whatever it is in your life. What, what is God asking you to sacrifice? What can you give up to spend time with somebody else, to shepherd somebody else, to disciple somebody else? When we have that commitment fast, I think it's a great idea because, you know, I like food, but a Daniel fast ain't really that hard. But to say, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice this so I can spend time with somebody else. I'm not going to buy Starbucks so on Sunday I could take my brother or take my sister out for lunch. What can, what can you sacrifice as a shepherd? What can you deny yourself? Like it says here, the bad shepherd keeps the best for himself. What do you have that you can give to somebody else that will benefit them? It might be possessions. It might be that. It might be advice. It might be guidance. Whatever it is, it's, it's, for each person is different. But it takes sacrifice. 
See, the shepherd sacrificed the well-being of the 99 sheep for the one. He knew that there was a, there was a chance that if he left the 99, that there could have been wolves that would have came in and, and destroyed them all. But he knew, you know what? I need to sacrifice this so I can have this, so I can save that. So I ask you, what can we sacrifice in order to help somebody else? Secondly, to be a good shepherd, it requires us to take risks. It requires us to step out of ourselves, to do things that we normally wouldn't do. See, to be a good shepherd, we need to take risks, even if it means risking our own life to save another. Many shepherds have died to protect the sheep, fighting off animals, fighting off wolves. We even read in the story of David how he fought a lion, how he fought a bear to protect sheep that weren't even his. But see, we need to take that risk. Not only a physical risk, but we need to take risk on people. Sometimes we see somebody and we're like, whoa, there is no hope. There is no chance. Wow. He's not a sheep. He's a goat. You know, it's like we need to take risks on people. Sometimes, we, you know, like even in the ministries, you're like, oh, God, I need leaders. And then God will bring you people and you're like, not them. In the youth, I'm like, God. But then God showed me. They're right there. They're right there. It's your job to train them, to teach them, to mold them, to shape them. A sheep isn't perfect. You got to groom a sheep, you know. You got to guide it. It'll eat right off a cliff. We need to take care of them. We need to take risks on people. We need to believe in people and trust people, empower people. We can't do it ourselves, right? But main, the main point I want to take is that we need to lay down even our life for the sheep, for God's people, for the lost. That we need to die to ourselves first of all, so that others can live. Thirdly, it takes love. In order for a shepherd to be a good shepherd, he or she first must have love for those sheep. There must be a genuine passion to drive what you do. Or else you're going to see it as a hindrance. You're going to see it as a job. You're going to see it as something you have to do. And that when danger comes, you're going to step right out the side and just let nature take its course. But see, a good shepherd that loves his sheep will stand in the way of them. No matter if it's a lion, no matter if it's whatever. It will protect them. Love prays for people. Love invests within people. Love will guide people. But if we're selfish, if we're self-centered, if it's all about us, we're not going to lead God's people where God wants us to lead them. But we're going to lead them astray. We're going to scatter them. They're going to flee from us. 
It takes love. And the Bible says that the good shepherd knows his sheep by name. Someone who doesn't care for you, they don't care to know your name. They don't care, you know, who you are. They put a number on you, you know. That's why at DMV, it's not a personal thing, right, at DMV. They give you a number. They're like, A67. You're like, oh. But see, a shepherd, he knows each sheep by name. Can you imagine knowing 99 or 100 sheep by name? They all look the same. But he knows them. And they know him. When he calls out to them, they respond because they know his voice. They know that he comes with love, that he's gentle. Like me, I, got, I have a few cats at home, right? And those cats, they can't speak English, but they know when I call them by name. They come running, right? And the same thing with sheep. They know, they know when God calls them by name, when we call them by name, when we get personal with people, when we get to know them. You get, you, you know, not only, oh, brother, God bless you. Sometimes I'm bad with names. And when people come in the church, I'm like, oh, brother, God, God bless you, sister. But we need to really get personal with people and get to know them, get to know their names, get involved within their life, allow them to get involved in our life. Even as leaders, sometimes we put up walls and we don't allow people to come in. But a shepherd doesn't put up shelter just for himself. But he builds a, sh- a shelter big enough for all the sheep. We need to allow people to come into our lives. We need to have that health, healthy fellowship, healthy discipleship. That's our theme, right? Shepherding disciples. We need to shepherd God's people. And I, I chose to give this message tonight because I know who comes to Sunday night service. I know there's a few people that I see, but mainly it's the church leadership or people that have been here for a while. So I know that God is calling us to be the shepherds. That it's time that we go from being a sheep to being a shepherd. Amen. See, we need to know them by name. Because when we know them by name, it shows that we care for them. And see, without love, it is impossible to do the other two. If you don't have love, it's going to be impossible for you to to sacrifice for them. It's going to be impossible for you to, to give your last few dollars for them. Without love, it's going to be impossible for you to take a risk on them. It's going to be impossible for you to risk your life for them. But when you have love and compassion for them, for souls, for people, then you will do whatever it takes. That you won't see it as this is just my job or this is just my position, but you'll see it as this is my calling, this is my purpose, this is my destiny. In John 15, 13, as AJ makes his way, I'm going I'm to end with this scripture here. John 15, 13 says, there was no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There was no greater love than to lay down your life. Have you laid down your life lately for somebody? Have you given up some of your time? For somebody else? Have you made a risk? Have you put your neck on the line? Have you put your job on the line for somebody else? And I'm speaking this because God spoke it to me. He was saying, Matt, have you risked for anybody? Have you sacrificed for anybody? 
Your spare time, what do you do in your spare time? Is it all about you or is it about somebody else? See, the ultimate act of a shepherd is to lay down their life for the sheep. We are called by God to lay down our lives for the lost and for God's sheep. Only because Christ laid down his life first for us. As we all stand tonight. I believe that this is what God really wants us to know. That God wants us to have the same heart as, as Jesus had. That it doesn't matter who, who sees you. It doesn't matter what people think. We can't get caught up in our position. We can't get caught up in our, in our situations or our circumstances. We can't be like the Pharisees, too concerned about our image. But we need to go after the big fish. We need to go after those who are, who are just out there, lost. We need to go after those who were once here but have went back out. Sometimes we need to leave the 99 to go after the lost. But we don't stay out there with the lost. We bring them back. And the main thing about this, and God never asks us to do something that he hasn't done or is willing to do himself. God came in the form of man sacrificed his life for us that we can have eternal life that we can live forever that we can be saved that our families can be restored that our minds can be restored that we don't have to spend our life in a jail cell or, or bound with different things that we can be set free But I believe that God is not, that God has called us not to stay sheep, but to grow into being a, becoming a shepherd. That we can help our pastor, that we can help our leadership, that we can help the overall vision of Victory Outreach to grow, to expand. So tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, anybody here if you say I want to be that good shepherd I know the cost I know what it's going to take but I want to answer the call that God has for me just lift your hand right there where you're at more importantly than that if anybody here if you say that I feel like that lost sheep I feel like that one that has gone astray I feel like the one that has turned my back on God that I find myself in a dark place I don't know where to go I feel all alone and you want a shepherd you want Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, to come and save you, to pick you up and put, him on your, put you on his shoulders and to bring you back to safety. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand.
just want to pray with you tonight. I'm going to open these altars just just to come and just, just to talk with God. Just allow God just to strengthen you, to encourage you, to fill you with His Spirit, with His presence. Feel free to come as we sing this song. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, Lord. I give myself away so you can do. I give myself. I give myself away. Oh, myself away. I give myself away. Did you sing that tonight? Make it personal. Oh, oh we give ourselves. I give myself away. So because so God first gave. Can I give my life. I give my life away. Oh, I give my life away. So you can use me. Tonight, if, if you were one that where you feel lost tonight, I ask that you would repeat this prayer after me and we can all say it together. Say, Jesus, I love you and I need you to come and rescue me from where I am. I am lost. I have gone astray. And I want to come back. Come find me. And take me where I belong. I accept you in my heart as my shepherd, as my Lord, and as my Savior. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. And for those who desire to be good shepherds, Father, I pray for them right now, Lord, that you would just pry your spirit upon us, God. God, that you would continue to remind us of our purpose.
God, that we would not just get saved, God, and get comfortable. That we would not allow, God, you would not allow us to get lukewarm. That we would stay passionate for you, God. That we would stay passionate for lost souls. That we would not lose sight of our vision, God, of our purpose as a ministry. I pray for a double portion of your anointing, God. That you would give us hearts of a shepherd, Lord. That we would be able to love, God. We'd be able to sacrifice, God. That we would not be afraid of taking risks, my God, for others. I pray right now for your spirit, God, just to comfort those, my God, who are feeling empty, God. Who are feeling stressed, my God. Who are feeling overwhelmed. God, that you would put our feelings aside so that we can invest, my God, and leave those who are lost, those who need to be shown the way. I pray right now for our pastor. I pray for Pastor Josie right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would give her strength as our shepherd, God, that you would give her, God, a double portion of your anointing like never before. God, that you would meet her needs mentally, physically, spiritually. You know the finances that need to be met. God, that you would remove those burdens. You would remove the stress. That she'd be able to lead with joy, with happiness, with peace. That you would give her strength. In the name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen.